I want to uh, share a scripture from uh, the book of Acts with you today. I'll let you stand up here in just a moment. Um, get the get the blood flowing a little bit, but uh, um, years ago I was uh, in a Luby's cafeteria in Texas, and I was going through the line, and uh, I, I did a double take. There, right before my eyes, was my sister, or so I thought. Turns out, she looked almost identical to my sister. Well, that would have been an amazing thing, because my sister lived, at the time, in Illinois. And I was in Texas. But this lady, after I looked a little more closely, she uh, had some different features than my sister. She looked almost, I mean, she could have, she could have been used as a double. It was amazing. But I realized, but it gave me a warm feeling in my heart because I thought about my sister. But it wasn't my sister. We live in Tennessee where uh, Elvis is buried. You've heard of Elvis sightings? Did you know that Elvis is buried at Graceland? He is. He's there. He's right there in the tomb. He's buried. You say, well, I saw something else on the internet. I, I don't know. I haven't looked at all that. But one thing I do know, Elvis and Jesus are quite different. Elvis and that lady that I saw at that Luby's cafeteria are quite different. There was a momentary seeing of this lady that looked like my sister. And when I began to look a little more closely, I realized it wasn't her. Had I talked to her, I would have known even more so, wouldn't I? <laughs> said, hey, Jenny, you remember when we did such and so? And then we, I don't have a clue who you are, Jack. You know? <laughs> and so I would have realized very quickly this was not my sister. Um, and, and so uh, Jesus came with evidence for his resurrection. I want to tell you something. Elvis may be buried at Graceland, but Jesus is not buried in Palestine. His tomb is empty. And Jesus has appeared. Why is that important? Well, number one, Jesus offers the gift of eternal life. If Jesus is alive, then he can deliver on his promise. Number two, if Jesus is alive, then he can help us and sustain us and lift us up in life. And praise God, he is, and he does, and he has in my life. This scripture in the book of Acts is written by Luke, and uh, Luke did some uh, historical uh, interviews and uh, went around and investigated the different details of Jesus' life and came with his account based upon the eyewitness testimony that he had received. Uh, but much of Acts is eyewitness testimony from Luke himself because Luke traveled with the Apostle Paul. Uh, but here at the beginning, Luke is recounting, he's, he's written the gospel of Luke, he's recounting to this guy named Theophilus, who his, his scripture is addressed to, and he's saying, look, Theophilus, I wrote to you in my first writing in Luke, uh, all the things that Jesus said and did, and, and how he died, and how he was raised, and how he ascended, but now I want to tell you, uh, after just kind of summing these things up yet again, I want to tell you about what Jesus is doing today. You see, Jesus is still at work. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. I'll get into that a little bit more later. But, but he, he describes in detail the evidence for Jesus 
resurrection. He gives them a lot more detail than Luke, but he gives some details here. And so uh, we're going to look at this scripture, and the title of my message is Reasons to Believe That Jesus Lives. Reasons to Believe That Jesus Lives. We need to repent and put our trust in Jesus, and we need to hope in Jesus in this life because he is alive. So, reasons to believe that Jesus lives. I told you I'd let you stand. Okay, so stand up. That'll keep you from going to sleep later. Okay, we're going to read this scripture beginning in verse 1 of Acts chapter 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And you can be seated. Reasons to believe that Jesus Lives. Well, the first thing I want you to see is that we ought to believe that Jesus lives because he presented himself. <laughs> he presented himself. If you look in verse 3, the first part of verse 3 says, After he suffered, that is after his crucifixion, he also presented himself alive to them. Not like Elvis, where you see a picture or have a quick sighting in the parking lot at the mall where you see a lookalike, but you don't talk to him, okay, not Elvis, not my, my sister's double, okay, where you just see and for a moment you do a double take, no, Jesus presented himself alive to them. <laughs> we, we were looking at it this morning in the Gospel of Luke in Sunday school, and uh, Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be doubting. I'm not a ghost. One of the professors that I, I was listening to one time called it that, that view, Jedi Jesus. There's some people today that believe Jesus didn't really uh, rise from the dead. They think they just saw some kind of a ethereal you know, apparition or a ghost or something like that. And, um, and they, they, well, that Jesus is not really right. Jesus says, no. He said, I'm here. A ghost does not have flesh and blood like you see. I have. Look at my hands. See where the spikes were driven in. This is what he says in Luke. Look at my feet. Maybe the marks of those great thorns were upon his head. He says a flesh, a ghost does not have flesh and blood like I do. And then he says, give me something to eat. And they get him some fish and he sits down. And he begins to eat. Now, we've all heard the story about Thomas, right? 
Thomas said, I will not believe. You're telling me he's alive. I will not believe unless I see him for myself and I put my finger into his hands and into his side. I will not believe. Jesus said, Thomas, see my wounds. Put your finger in my wounds. Put your hand in my side where the spear went in. Be not doubting, but believe. And he said, my Lord and my God. But Jesus appeared not only to his disciples, he appeared to the women. All of the Gospels, we're not really sure of the order in which uh, Jesus appeared to, to which lady at which time. Because the, uh, the uh, eyewitnesses that gave us the account uh, gave it to us from their perspective and things they'd remembered. Um, but... Uh, but the schedule of it was not the point. The point was that they saw him. And all of the gospels witnessed to the women being the first ones to see Jesus. Nobody would have come up with that on their own. Because in that day, women were not considered reliable witnesses in court. Now, I know we think differently today, but, but that was the case then. Nobody would have chosen that. Uh, then, uh, Scripture tells us he appeared to Simon. We don't, we don't know anything about that. We don't, under, we don't know about when Jesus appeared to Simon. Then he appeared to the twelve. But he also, before, even before he appeared to the twelve, he appeared to James and to his brothers. He was seen. Now, do you believe your brother's the Messiah? <laughs> Listen, they did not believe in Jesus in his earthly ministry. His family did not believe. They thought he was going crazy. He was spending all this time ministering. They thought, but he has lost his mind. But after the resurrection, they did believe. They saw Jesus. And um, James, we have a book of the Bible called James that the brother of Jesus, James, wrote. We have a book of the Bible that Jude, the brother of Jesus, wrote. You see, Jesus appeared to these. But not only did he appear to the twelve once, he also appeared to them twice. I've already talked about Thomas. Thomas got in on the second one. Uh, he also appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. I love that story. The book of Luke. His identity was hidden from them, and he's opening the scriptures to them, and he sits down to eat with them, and all of a sudden their eyes are open, they realize it's him, and boom, he's gone. Then he also appeared to 500 at one time. Now, I've heard people say, well, gee, they, the disciples just hallucinated. They thought they saw Jesus, then they didn't. Well, you may eat a bad burrito. You may get you some bad medicine. You may have you a bad night's sleep. You may see something that's not there. But I'm going to tell you something. 500 people at the same time don't hallucinate together. 500 people saw him at one time. He not only appeared to them in these different instances, but he appeared to them over a season of 40 days. Now, if I was talking to Elvis, and he said, you know, I'm Elvis, I'd want to verify that, right? I might get some family members together and say, okay, what are some things you did with Elvis? Let me ask him about those things, you know investigate this they'd probably want to get in on it and say Elvis hey you remember when we did such and so uh, and and if he knew those personal details you'd have reason to, to believe it's probably him right 
you've touched him. You say, hey, Elvis, how's it going, man? And, you, you know, you, you've had on his back. Um, these disciples knew Jesus very well. They'd walked around with him for three years. These women, many of them were supporters of Jesus financially. And they, they followed around with the disciples. They knew Jesus well. Some of them had had their lives changed powerfully by Jesus, like Mary Magdalene. She had seven demons cast out of her, and she had been delivered from the lifestyle of prostitution. Jesus cleansed her sin and changed her life. And she knew who he was. In the garden, as Jesus, Mary's weeping by the tomb, they've taken away my Lord, they've taken away my Lord. And she thinks Jesus is the gardener. Jesus comes up to him. And finally he says, Mary. And she recognizes his voice. And she's overjoyed. I bet the tears kept flowing. <laughs> in, in the joy that she had, she recognized him. But these close associates of Jesus had opportunity for 40 days to interact with him, to talk with him about past experiences, to, to question him about things that had happened before, and to hear him teach. No one taught like Jesus. They knew it was him. Matter of fact, the 12 apostles, uh, there was some debate about John, the, the apostle John. Uh, all of them went to their deaths for the belief that Jesus was alive. Powerful evidence indeed. Uh, many, many times history is based on just one eyewitness testimony or two or three. Jesus has over 500. Pretty strong evidence. Jesus didn't just say he arose. Jesus presented himself to prove it. So, <clears throat> Reasons to believe that Jesus lives, he presented himself. Secondly, he offered evidence. Verse 3, after he had suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. You may have a dream, and I, I think sometimes we, we may recognize something is of God. You know, we just sense it in our spirit. But if you tell me you have a dream of something, perhaps you had a bad burrito the night before, okay? Uh, we, we don't know. I mean, we could question what one person experiences. But the disciples just didn't just have a dream. They saw Jesus eat. He ate with them on a number of occasions. Uh, he ate with the men on the road to, to Emmaus, didn't he? He's breaking bread. That's when they recognize him. He's, he's eating. By the way, did you know ghosts don't eat? You know figments of your imagination don't eat? So Jesus eats. Uh, John in his epistle says, He whom our eyes have seen. You've heard the statement, seeing is believing. Well, in this case, seeing Jesus, not just seeing him once, but seeing him multiple times regularly over a period of 40 days. They saw him, him whom our eyes have seen, whom our hands have touched. Right? Uh, 
I remember, uh, I've told you the story when I, of having the dream when I was a kid of having rats in my bed. And I went down, I was so convinced I had rats in my bed. I went down and I knocked on my dad's door and I said, you know, dad, there's rats in my bed. He said, Roger, he said, you've had a dream. He said, just go back. I'm not going back up there. There's rats in my bed, you know. And uh, I, was, I was so convinced there was rats in my bed. So finally he said, okay, I'll get up. I'll come check it out. So he got up and uh, went up and pulled the covers back. No rats. No rats to touch. Guess what? At that moment, I knew it was a figment of my imagination that I had dreamed it. But can I tell you, the disciples touched Jesus. Not once, not twice, multiple times over a period of 40 days. Whom our ears have heard, they recognized his voice. Mary recognized his voice in the garden. We just mentioned that. They knew what Jesus sounded like. They heard him speak. They knew the inflections of his voice. You know, you've got, a, you've got family members, and you, sometimes you might get them mixed up, but if you talk to them long enough, you recognize the inflections of their voices, right? Oh, this is not this person. This is this person. It may take you a little bit, but you get there. They recognized his voice over a period of 40 days. His teaching was consistent with the teaching that he did before his uh, crucifixion, except that he expounded on it and, and opened up many new things to them now that they understood what his first mission was. But it was perfectly consistent. You might say, well, this, this guy that's come around here saying he's Jesus, he's teaching something completely different. This, we don't recognize this teaching. This is different. No, it was completely consistent with what Jesus had done before. If that wasn't enough, when the 500 are gathered, Jesus ascends up into heaven and disappears. The supernatural power of God is upon him. What more evidence do we need? What could Jesus have done to make it any clearer that he had risen from the dead? I don't know how he could have made it any more clear. Writing a message in the sky wouldn't have been as clear, right? Some people say, well, if God will write me a message in the sky, I'll believe. No, you won't. Oftentimes, not believing is not about evidence. It is about the will of a person's heart. You see, Jesus has given us every bit of evidence that we need. So, reasons to believe that Jesus lived. First of all, he presented himself. Secondly, he offered evidence. Thirdly, I love this, he continues to work. <laughs> Did you know dead people don't do anything? I, listen, the cemetery is quiet for a reason. <laughs> they're not having a party. Now, they're, they're maybe in their spiritual sense, but not their bodies. Why? Because they're dead. Jesus is alive. And he's at work. Can I tell you something? Jesus changed my life. I, I, I can't adequately describe it to you. I can't put it into words, but I know it's as real as I'm standing here. It's more real. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest thing that has ever happened to me in my life.
Jesus Christ changed me. And he came to live with inside, inside of me. Um, <laughs> William Lane Craig was uh, being interviewed. He's a, a Christian apologist. He was being interviewed uh, by someone. He said, well, Dr. Craig, if someone could prove to you that Jesus was not real or that Jesus did not exist, would you stop believing? He said, listen, a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. Did you know that's true? Do you know Jesus Christ? Somebody might come up with a really smart argument that sounds real good. I, I do believe there's reasons for the truth to be believed. And I think uh, there's good evidence to believe what we believe. But having said that, even if somebody came up with a great argument why we shouldn't believe, listen, I want to tell you something. Jesus changed my life. You're not going to convince me Jesus is not real. He's changed me. It's not just me he's changed. A number of years ago, a uh, lady in our church, I'll call her Sarah. It's, her name wasn't Sarah, but I'll call her Sarah. Um, she was hard and bitter in her face. She could just say it. And she was hard to deal with. You ever know anybody like that? Just kind of looked hard and just hard to deal with. Grumpy, crotchety, rude. I went away. I'd moved away. And I came back to the same church. By the way, just because you go to church doesn't mean you know Jesus. Worth, worth saying. I come back. And this lady has been saved. I could tell it instantly. Her face looked different. The bitter, hard look was gone, and there was this look of joy on her face. She was easy to work with. I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, pinch myself. Is this real? I, this is great. It's the difference that Jesus made in her life. I know of situations where a husband and wife are on the brink of divorce and the two of them find Jesus and it heals their marriage. It happens today through Jesus' power. There's people sitting in this room here today who used to be using IV drugs who now know Jesus Christ and have been changed. Listen, we serve a mighty, powerful Savior. He's at work. All you have to do is open your eyes and look around you. He is real. And he is changing lives. <laughs> I love Easter because of what it represents. Not just the fact that my Savior arose, but the fact that one day I will rise because I have repented and put my trust in Jesus Christ. Not perfect, but I've trusted in him. And because of that, one day, if I die before Jesus comes, I will rise up out of that tomb with a glorified body, just like Jesus arose. And if he comes before I die, even better. <laughs> I get instantly changed. What a hope there is in that. Listen, all the bad things you see on the news, can I tell you something? That's coming to an end. Jesus is alive. He's coming back. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> so, if you need to be saved, if you need to be forgiven for your sin, there's hope because Jesus is alive. He can provide the salvation that he has promised. But if you, if you do know him, he is alive to help you through the seasons of life. I don't know what you're going through right now. Can I tell you something? Jesus is enough. I don't know too many people who have died and come back to life to live forevermore. But Jesus qualifies. Can I tell you, he can help you with your need. I don't know what your need is, but I know he can help you because I know who he is. He is alive. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Why should we believe in Jesus and the fact that he is raised from the dead? Believe because he presented himself, he offered evidence, and he continues to work. Don't let this holiday go by if you don't know Jesus Christ without coming into personal relationship. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not just a figure of history. He's someone who loves you. The Bible says God so loved the world. And the world means me, it means you. He loves you. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's his desire for you. If you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus and have the forgiveness that he provides and the hope that he provides, um, he asks you to make a decision to turn from your sin and your own way to follow him. Okay? And he'll help you with that. He'll change your heart. Uh, he'll come and he'll send his spirit to to live inside you, to give you strength, uh, to help you in times of temptation. Um, but he asks you to make a choice of faith to follow him. He also asks you to receive him. One scripture in, in John says, To as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them gave he the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So if you are ready to make that choice, to turn from your sin in your own way, and to receive Jesus today, I want to just invite you here in just a moment. We're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to invite you to step out and come forward here to the front and say, you know, I am ready. I want to surrender my life to Jesus, to follow him, and I want to receive him into my life. And I'm going to tell you something. He makes all the difference. Um, so this altar is open. If you need to pray over that and kind of get your heart in the right place, if you're struggling with it, uh, if you need prayer up here at the front, I'll be happy to pray with you. If you're a child of God, maybe you've not been trusting. Maybe there's some burden. You just need to come and lay at the Lord's feet here at the altar. You do it as he leads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for the price he paid at Calvary, for his mighty power and his mighty resurrection. And Father, I pray for these who are gathered here today, Father, let this day not go by without people finding Jesus Christ as a person who is real and is alive and is working today. And we pray it in Jesus' name.